Blog Talk Radio. The following has taken place during Total Sports Live. the best player available. I don't know. I just just want, I want, like, the draft to work out, like, the way I want to, like, in, in any professional sport. But, yeah, look, he was the best player available. He's a good, solid player. I just wonder who's going to pass it to all these trees. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's, that's, that's the new intrigue that this that now that fans are having and that Brent Brown should be just gushing over that you have three big guys that you can literally – possibly sometime put all three on the court on the same court together, which is kinda of interesting to see what you're gonna uh what you're gonna talk about. And let's talk about the draft. If you guys missed it, it was very sort of eventful after number one, the Minnesota Timberwolves, what what the likes of Carl Anthony Towns, everybody knew that one. But the shocker came at number two when they went and decided to when the Lakers went and decided to draft Ohio State point guard D'Angelo Russell, which shocked everybody and now in the sixth round position, who do they take at three? And then Sam Hankey, defending Adam Silver, and comes up to the podium and says the Sixers will select Jalil Okafor, which was a solid move by the Sixers. Now it's funny that we, you know, that we hear about the hear about Russell going to L.A. because now all of a sudden, if you didn't check on Bleacher Report, there was a report out early today that 
the that the that the Lakers are are possibly are think are I think they said they're thinking about putting um D'Angelo Russell in the trade talks for DeMarcus Cousins. The trade put Russell in the trade talks to trade him to the Kings with to get DeMarcus Cousins. Remember the Lakers wasn't willing to give up Julius Randle. But they're willing to give up D'Angelo Russell for DeMarcus Cousins. That is some interesting stuff, so I know oh, I just that's said a whole bunch right of stuff. the Cleveland Cavaliers with me. <sighs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> I know I just said a lot, so I'm just going to let Angela just, you know, let her speak on what I just said. Oh, There's a little oh, lot of information that's flowing right now. That puts them right up with the Cleveland Cavaliers to me. Oh, my God. I just, oh, oh. That makes me so angry, right? This is actually the first time hearing of this. I haven't heard of this yet. Um... Ah, well, well, that's an um, interesting intel. Those, uh, God, I want to curse so bad. Uh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, like I said, I, I said it all along. If the Lakers suck Russell, it's because the entire league is sick of the tank, and the entire league is sick of the tank, and they're sick of the Sixers, and they're mm-hmm. sick of this cockamamie scheme they have to get good. And I'm sorry, but that was nothing more than a spite move, especially because they're going to try to trade away and package him to a team that didn't even deserve to sniff anywhere near the top three. So, oh, my God, that's, like, that makes me so angry. Like, that makes me so angry. Because, honestly, like, he's the player the Sixers needed. I'm not going to harp on it. I'm not going to mire on it. I'm not going to, like, be all depressed. I didn't put my wrist over it, obviously. You know, they got a good pick in it before, whatever, you know. The big man has kind of been uh, devalued a little bit in the league. Like, if you look at it, the Golden State Warriors have, like, one of the shortest rosters to win the NBA championship in how many years, you know. Uh, a third of three pointers is still better than and then half of the half of the shots down low. Uh, oh, that's right. Now. More, more, more games are won from the perimeter than they are from down low at this point. The big man's kind of getting devalued a little bit, so it's like we kind of have a surplus at, uh, at a position that's not really a peak value in the NBA at the moment. No, you're right. We do years have a ago, surplus. Years ago, we had yeah. Yeah, we got so there's the no surplus. One to I think it's so great to have. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I want to bring it up, too. I mean, it is, but at the same time, like, you don't really have anyone to pass to. I mean, you know, I got, I got this argument uh, over the weekend that, you know, our point guard is Tony Roten or Ish Smith, and I, you know, I had to be like, look, realistically, neither one of those, not one of those two, although, you know, look, Tony Roten's a great six man. I will not take that away from him. But mm-hmm. neither one of those two are sniffing the court as a starting point guard for any other no. team. They're no. not stepping the court. They're not stepping the court as a starter for any other team. Like, yeah, Tony Roden's a great sixth man, and Ish Smith is what he is. And it's it was awesome to see like him and Noel obviously have some chemistry together, which also benefits the Sixers because you, know, you still need a strong bench in order to be a team that sustains leads and wins. But mm-hmm. neither of them is your starting point guard. Neither of them is your superstar. Neither of them is your playmaker. And it's still what they're lacking. And like I said it before, the direct what they need is. They need a shooter. They need someone that you can put the ball in their hands late in the game. You know they're going to drill it. Like, they don't have that. And there are some really good uh, point guards that are out there in free agency. But, honestly, why would any of them want to come to the Sixers? Like, why would Rajon Rondo want to come to the Sixers or, or Goran Dragic or Brandon Knight or Reggie Jackson? They're only out there in free agency. But what makes them want to come here? All right. other, than, other than the fact that the Sixers, like, throw a shitload of money at them and just – and overpay them to, to outbid someone, but then you then you you know eliminate cap space to spread the wealth a little bit and give yourself a more complete team. If you're trying to convince one of the top free Asian point guards to come here by throwing an, an egregious amount of money at them, but that might be what it has to take to to get one of them here. 
No, that's a that's that's actually a great that's actually a great point, and I wanted to talk about the the free agent point guard as well because that's one of the things I was looking at. Brandon Knight, Reggie Jackson for the team because Reggie doesn't know what they're going to do in Detroit, and we don't know what Phoenix is going to do with Brandon Knight. I think they said Brandon Knight, Phoenix was signed with a five year deal, so we'll stay. But before we continue to talk about that, we do got a caller on the line. I pretty I'm pretty sure I know who this is. He's calling from. From the from the port from the uh, Portland Oregon area, none other than Greg Crawford joining us here on the Total Sports Line podcast. Siobhan, how are you tonight? I'm doing good, doing good. Just you know, reviewing a pretty interesting NBA draft and you know, pretty interesting NBA free agency coming up here for a lot of teams, including the Sixers. So I'm doing good for the most part. Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable that this free agency. I nobody knows what's going on exactly, and uh, I, you know, my my two cents on the Seventy Sixers are that they need players that that have a winning mentality. It seems like mm-hmm. they just can't change the culture around, and they need to get players that come from a winning program in college or players that have won in the NBA. They can't keep just juggling things all the time. No, that's a that's that's a that's actually a, that's actually a great point. Like you said, they got to bring in winning players, and I think they you know you start with that or bringing in a Jalil Okafor who was a, who Duke won the national championship, so that's definitely one building block. And like you said, you got to keep on you know bringing players that know how to win and et cetera. That's like one of my Free agent targets that I really want the Sixers to get is uh, is Danny Green from San Antonio, proven when proven was on winning teams, championship teams, knows his role. That's the type of guy I would want to see, or and that's the type of guy I would personally want to see on the Sixers. Well, the, the the good example there of it is that there the the Heat at at ten, uh, Jovan could have taken many players. But Riley and Spolstra are brilliant people, as you know, and they took Justice Winslow there from Duke because they want to bring that winning mentality into the heat. I won't take up any more of your time. I want the listening audience to know you're going to be on the Greg Crawford on Sports Business Program the first Tuesday of every month. You're going to be a regular. And also, uh, Jovan, Chris Haynes, I just got off the phone with him. He said to tell you hello. Cavaliers beat writer. Michael Wolf said to tell you hello. Stan Love, Kevin's dad, said to tell you hello. Dan Bilwamini said to tell you hello. And I'll stop right there because when you and I worked together, we interviewed some of the biggest names in sports. Yeah, definitely. And to all those guys, I definitely said hello back to them. And as, you, as Greg said, I'll be on the Greg Crawford uh, Sports Biz Show every first Tuesday of the month, so be prepared for that. And also, Greg, thanks again for calling in. My pleasure, Javon. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Bye. Well, look at you, big so time. Was, I, I, I am, I am not, I am not big time. I am still, <laughs> I am still the, I'm still the little, I'm still the little engine that could. I'm still the little engine that could. I'm just out. I'll say that the the grind never stops the grind. <laughs> the grind never stops. I'm like the Sixers, you know. I'm just I'm putting the pieces together slowly. But my rebuilding plan hopefully doesn't take like 
years down the road. <laughs> oh, my God, no. Let's hope for all of our sakes that our plan doesn't take as long as the Sixers. <laughs> and let's talk about the Sixers plan, Angela, because there's a lot of things that came out from Thursday about the uh, – about the Sixers, and it started off with Sam Hankey sounding really not too optimistic in Joel Embiid's progress, pretty much not happy with the young center's rehab so far from because he said he was on track in March, and now it just totally just went left field. And, you know, we've seen the vendors YouTube video out of Embiid basically in downtown Philadelphia riding a, a, a flunky duck or whatever that thing is called, and he's just, just rolling along with you know, no issue, and you know there's stuff coming out now about the about the about the Sixers paying the Pelicans three million dollars because they didn't disclose a Drew Holiday's injury when they were trading uh, him to the New Orleans Pelicans for New Orleans Noel. There's just a, and then there's another story out talking about how Sixers are doing bad contracts for younger players, basically giving them the short end of the stick when it comes to non-guaranteed deals. There's a lot of Dark clouds starting to circulate around the Sixers and Sam Hankey's plan. Do you still believe in Sam Hankey's plan? But more and more, more, more specifically, what do you want to see the Sixers do? Because if I'm, I think me and you've been on the same wavelength because we said during the season that they didn't trade these players, that they could, that they, they didn't make these trades of Mike Williams and KJ McDaniels, that this team could possibly be a, a eight seed in the East next year. I mean, this upcoming season, but now they're you're they traded them guys, and now I think me and you probably agree with this that they the winning has to start now. Like the losing, I think people are. I think Sixers fans are really tired of the losing. They're tired of the tanking. They actually want to see winning basketball now. Even if they don't win, like I want to see a team that competes. I want to see right. a team that competes nightly, and I want to see a team where there's, like, improvement, and you can see them grow together and not, like, the first showing of them actually, like, having some type of chemistry, you start trading mm-hmm. pieces away. That, I mean, I mean, how can you expect these kids, and that's what they are, they're kids, how can you expect these kids to grow together if it's, like, if you do too well, you're you're going to get shipped away. It's just... Right. It's not a really good. I don't. I don't know. I want to believe in it. I want to trust in it. But at the same time, I'm not so quick to drink the Kool Aid. And you know, I'm tired of the tank. And I swear, if they, like, I want to see some results this year. I don't necessarily need to see them make it to the playoffs. Like I, that doesn't. Mm-hmm. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. But I want to right. see some improvement. I want to see. You know, I want to see a team that actually like, shows some fight in them. And I want to. I. My. I want to. Stop having my heart broken for Brett Brown every time that they drop a game and he has to just put his head in his hands, like between his knees. He's like, oh my God, I'm stop coaching this this, this this team. And if you can even call them a team at this point. No, I, and, and I'm glad you brought Right, and I'm glad you brought that up because, like I said, the Sixers this year, this last past year, had 18 wins. And you're real right. I want to see this team being competitive. Personally, for me, I at least want to see this. I at least want to see this team win thirty games at least. If you at least give me thirty games, that's progress. That means we're slowly moving in the right direction of being competitive basketball. Yeah, thirty wins might still put you in the lottery, but at least it's in the lower half of the lottery. It's not the top five and the top three. I'm tired of being at that point. I'm tired of being in the top five of the lottery. I'm really tired of it. And like you said, I want to see some competitive basketball. I don't want to. 
see games where the Sixers are getting blown out by 20, 30 points. It was like you're watching a high school, a college basketball game. Because that's what it pretty much is. And like you said, I feel so, like you said, I feel really sorry. I feel, like I said, I feel sorry for Brett Brown, too. Because there's only so much this guy can do with the player that he has. And he's trying to he's trying to develop these guys, and he's trying to get every little thing out of them. And it's just, it's not enough. And if you're Sam Hankey, if this is the year that you want to see competitive basketball, you've got to get him some players. Give him some type of player. Give him something. Give Sixers man something to be to be happy about in free agency. And there's a many there's many targets for the Sixers that they can do in free agency. I know that they won't be able to get in on the highest bids, but at least go out and actually spend some money in free agency. I think I read a story saying the last the the in the Sixers tenure, the only free agent Sam Hankey signed during the free agent period was I can't think of it, but. When it comes to me, he only signed, like, since he's been here in Philadelphia, he's only signed one free agent. That's a little bit concerning for me during the free agent period. That's the only, that's a little bit concerning. Yeah, it is. It is. Because you can't, like, the, the best way to get good in the NBA is through the draft, obviously. But you still need a veteran presence to teach the young kids, like, how to play mm-hmm. and how to lose and how to handle yourself when you're down, like, 10 and, not, and know that you're not completely out of it. Like, you need those types of role players. And that can't that you know you can't dress like a nineteen twenty year old kid and expect them to have that type of maturity and that type of poise. You need to get that through a veteran presence. Yeah, that's 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 true. That's that's you're right. You're really right about that. And and I'm I'm really blanking on who they signed to free agency. I can see the pre, I can see the player. I can see the player, but I can't. The name is like blanking on me. But like you said, they got to go out and they got to target. They got to target some. Free agents, and we're about to talk about some reach agents that the Sixers should target. But before we move on from that, um, second round. What was your thoughts on the second round? I know uh, you. Uh, what was your thoughts on it? I know they made a. They made they. they most majority of players were um, two out of the four picks because they traded one to the Knicks. Two out of the four were uh, were drafting staff. So, what are your thoughts on uh, Rashawn Holmes from Bowling Green and JP Tokido? Tokido, for the most part, it seems like he could be a possible domestic draft and stash for people that don't know, which the Sixers could put him in the Delaware Sevens and have him there at a domestic draft and stash. It's kind of a new thing that teams are doing. So what were your thoughts on the second round, Angela? Because they still need a point guard, and he didn't move up to get into the first round to get a point guard. And that's, and that's what baffled me most of all, that they didn't trade back up to get into the first round because I had said to you guys on Tuesday night, that I wouldn't be mad if they if they took Jeremy Grant's brother, and he didn't go until 39th overall. When I was reading on like you know like I, I, uh, SB Nation and I I figured uh, 700 level, like he's projected to go like 17th. Like I was really surprised they didn't like trade back into the first round and try to get a point guard. I mean that that was really baffling to, to me. And mm-hmm. even furthermore, the 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 you know the ratio of the European players in the second round and, and we had talked about that in on Tuesday night how you know, like it's not necessarily like a blanket statement but you know, it's more often than not, European players don't really pan out in the NBA because their competition is up the far with what's in the NBA. Exceptions right. to every rule, but you know, it's it's kinda risky. I was a little bit surprised. I I don't know. I, I was more shocked they didn't try to trade back into the first round. 
Yeah, that, I was. I felt the same way too because I'm just seeing the point guard just start flying off the board. Once I saw Jerry and Grant go off, I'm just like, here's the run of point guard that's about to happen. Jerry and Grant goes off the board, and then DeLone Wright goes to the Raptors. And I'm thinking to myself, the Raptors take a point guard? They already got Kyle Lowry. They just need to re-sign Lou Will, but they, they just drafted a point guard? That could have been our point guard. And then they then, then you see the uh, then you see the Celtic reach for Terry Rozier, but still, they get a point guard. And then you see the Cavs, they go ahead and draft the uh, and draft the point. The Cavs go ahead and then draft the point guard, Tyus Jones, who I would actually love to have in Philly. But then the Cavs say, no, nah, we'll ship them to Minnesota for two draft picks. And the Sixers still missed out on that. So, I mean, there was three guards, that three point guards that the Sixers could have gotten. I think a lot of fans kept, like, kept honing their eyes on Russell, like, that's the guy I need. But there was three guys right there in the late first, mid to late first round that the Sixers could have gotten, and they just didn't go up and get, which I did not understand. But it also goes to the notion of that, what I read on Twitter, saying that, you know, GMs, they're, they kind of call on the same Hankies game now. They're not they're not fooled by this man, and they're not going to even give him up picks anymore. So now I kind of see why he probably couldn't even maneuver to get into the first round because these teams ain't slick no more. They're tired, probably tired of doing trades for future first future picks in like 2020, 2022 and 2021, 2019. So we'll see what happens with that. I mean, it's uh it's it's really it's going to we're going to see what happens with the Sixers. I mean, that was my little spiel on me. Uh, we'll see yeah, what, we'll just, see what they do. It's frustrating. It's, it's, it's really frustrating. It is frustrating. And as, and as each season and each draft and each lottery and each year goes by, it becomes more and more difficult to trust the process. Mhm. It does because yeah, we don't know if the process is going to work. Yeah, and if there was any kind of improvement over the past two years, then yeah, maybe we'd be able to, you know, have some type of inclination of hope. But yeah, they've they've been steadily in the toilet of the NBA for the past like two three years. That was enough already. It shouldn't be something worth celebrating to be with, you know, in contention for the number one overall draft pick in the league, like however many years in a row. Mhm. No, you're right about that. We should no team should really be happy about that, and that moves me on to my that moves us on to our next topic. But the NBA free agency free agency does kick off at midnight on Wednesday, twelve o'clock on dot on July first. Wow, we're already in July, folks. Training camp is soon to be here. Thank God. But uh, we uh, NBA free agency is about to kick off, and like Angela pointed out earlier in the show, Sixers need a point guard. She named a few, a few that few that should be on the Sixers rail, but probably won't. Sammy probably won't break the bank for, and that is Rajon Rondo, Goran Dragic, Rezzy Jackson, and Brandon Knight. Now, out of those four, they're probably not going to get Dragic just because Miami's going to give him like probably five years, eighty mil, seventy, eighty mil for the most part. Um, uh, Rondo, I don't know if Ron, I don't think Rondo wants to be part of this process or culture. He's a, he kind of showed himself in Dallas, not being a team player. And then you got Brandon Knight and, and Brandon Knight and, um, and, and Reggie Jackson. I'm leaning more towards Reggie Jackson just because Detroit already has Brandon Jennings. 
And I think Reggie Jackson is still trying to find a team where he can be that guy, where he can be the point guard, the floor general of the team. And I think if he wants to come to Philadelphia, the opportunity is here to be the point guard because no disrespect to Isaiah Cannon or Ish Smith, who are both free agents, by the way, no disrespect to them. They are Reggie Jackson is on a higher level than those two guys. And Tony Roden is a six man. He's not your point guard. He can play point guard in spurts when you need him to, but he's a six man. What are your thoughts about those point guard options, Angela? Because there's probably still a lot of reasons that we got to talk about, but just specifically talking about point guard, what are your thoughts on the whole point guard market right now for the Sixers? Because they have, like you said, it's just going to be, are they going to willing to spend that type of money for a point guard, which they desperately need? I mean, I never really was a fan of Rajon Ronda. Like, yeah, he's one of those where you can respect his talent, but not really like him as like a, a player in general and and his attitude. I don't know. I just I mm-hmm. saw him make one too many dirty playground plays in the playoff series with the Sixers and the Celtics a few years back. So it was like you know his style of play I never really agreed with and. You're right. He showed that he's really all about himself and not the team, like with his attitude this year. And Dragon's probably going to get re-signed by Miami, just like you said. Brandon Knight and Reggie Jackson, I think either of them will make a good fit, but I think you know that hunger that you described with uh, Reggie Jackson just makes him more appealing because you know that he can come into a club and you know step in and like come out of nowhere and be a leader and be a difference maker, and I think that's what he wants. He wants to go someplace where he can make a difference and be a playmaker, and that's a need, that's a void that the Sixers have that he really could be very viable to fill. Yeah, he definitely could be, like you said. and like He's got that hunger because in OKC, he wanted to be the guy, but Russell Westbrook is. He's not really the guy, but I still don't think Russell's a point guard. Russell's a shooting guard, but Oklahoma City still didn't get that. Even though he drafted a point guard, in the draft this year, so I still don't know what they're doing. But like you said, Reggie Jackson does have that hunger, and I'm looking at the free agent list right now. One guy that has intrigued that, that just popped up to me that you could probably get on the cheap. Now, you might call me crazy for this. You might, you might say, well, I don't even want to go there. But what about if you do miss out on Reggie Jackson because the expense is too price, the, the price is too high and Brandon Knight's too high? Would you take a two-year deal for the likes of 26-year-old point guard Jeremy Lin. You know, I knew that's who you were going to say. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, <laughs> he's going to say Jeremy Lin. Listen, I am supportive <laughs> of any NBA player that comes with their own drinking game, so let's just get that on out of the way. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I, – he had, like, that dynamite oh. year where you couldn't, like, stop hearing about Lin's sanity. You know, they always talk about he's, like, living on a couch, like, two weeks before. And, I mean, I I don't – could they get him on the cheap? Yeah. Is he the answer? I don't know. Uh, right. I think it would definitely be interesting. I think it would be right up there with the Eagles signing Tim Tebow and kind of like a – well, this could be completely genius and pan out, or this can be the complete laughing stock that we think it is. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That's, and I just thought about that, and I like how you made the 10-team comparison because I'm like, we're going to try to fix this guy and try to make it work. So 
that's 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 just one guy that literally just popped up and just literally just popped up to my popped up in my mind because if you I'm thinking about it, just looking at the free agent class, he's probably the fifth best uh, free agent out. He's probably the fifth best you know free agent out there when it comes to the point guard position. Um, other players possibly that the Sixers should keep their eye on. Let's look at. Um, uh, I'm gonna say let's let's I know because I know we talked about on this show a couple of uh, a couple of a couple of weeks ago we talked about uh, we talked about the shooting guard position how that was sort of kind of the need for the Sixers and there's two guys right now that could fit that shooting guard role right now and that is Danny well there's three guys actually that I that I have written down here. Monty Ellis, Wes Matthews, and Danny Green. Is there any chance that the Sixers could come out with one of those three? They just have to make the price right. Yeah. Listen, listen. That's, the first rule is the first rule of business is follow the money, and, and and professional sports is a business. And you know, as much as you want <laughs> these, if you, as much as these players say it's about you know loyalty, it's about this, about that, and the third. Being realistic, it's about the money. They all follow the money. Yep. yep. So it's just, if the price is right, then, yeah, they can get any of them they want. And I think yeah, all three of them each have their point. own traits that can help make the Sixers better. It just, it just matters like, if the price is right because they have other holes to fill that they need to fill in free agency. So they have to have fun with yeah. a lot of elsewhere. So they can't break the bank. They, they put themselves in a position with this transfer. They can't break the bank on one position in free agency. Mm-mm. They have to no. be they have to be moderate in their spending and free agency because they still have multiple holes to fill. All right, and I definitely agree with you in that. And then I just having a chance to look at the small forward position, and there's three guys that I think that the Sixers can add to a small forward position. Even though I love Robert Covington really a lot, I think there's three small forwards that the Sixers could possibly do. And there's Damari Carroll, Iman Shumpert, and Kawhi Leonard. Now, I know everybody, before I say Kawhi, like, no, the Sixers are going to break the bank for Kawhi. They could. I mean, if I was GM, I would break the bank for Kawhi Leonard. That's just me. Because I'm a big Kawhi Leonard fan. The dude's a good two-way player. I mean, he's the best next big dollar that can defend LeBron James. And he's 20 yeah, but I mean, why if he if he's that kind of caliber of skill level, why would he want to come here? That's the also that's the other thing that you have to like take into account. Yeah. And it's not like spitting on the Sixers, but being realistic, a team that is proud of a strategy of losing, why would anyone who is competitive and wants to win want to come here? That is true. At least not Maybe right now. Maybe that's why I brought up Jeremy Lin because he was on the bad list. He doesn't care. He just wants to play. Yeah. That's that's the that's that and then that's when that's what I think it is. And you're right and you're hitting that you hit it right on the head when you say that why would anybody want to come to this team when you have um why would anybody want to come to this team when you have a losing culture and it's just losing and losing and losing and losing. I mean if I was a young player that was looking to try to get some get a payday, I would come to the city because I know I'm gonna get some playing time, regardless. I'm gonna get playing time right. because they don't they still don't have a set roster. But like you said, for these big time guys or like a Danny Green or Wes Matthews or Kawhi Leonard, Damari Carroll, Rondo, Drogic, why would they wanna come here to a team that's home that won eighteen games last year and the year before that wasn't too much better? 
I mean, and you can't blame you can't blame the kids that are on the Sixers roster because they don't know any better. All they know is losing. Mm-hmm. And then you have your players that came in from other teams that again don't sniff the court for other teams, so they're just like, screw it, I get to play, so I don't really care. And and your your lone veteran Jason Richardson, who I think is a positive influence on on you know the younger players. He just kind of threw out the white flag. He's just like, you know, I don't really care if we win or not. I just want to go somewhere I can play and somewhere I can teach. Like He's like, yeah, I know. We're not going to amount to anything. We're not going to win anything. So, yeah, I'm happy to be here and play and teach. Like, no one really has that kind of, yeah, we're going we're, we're gonna to get out there and win. Like, we're tired of losing. Like, And eventually you do get sick of losing. And I, I hate to say it, but I don't really think they're tired of it yet. But, again, you can't really follow because it's all they know. Definitely, um, I would what's the name? I I would I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. We got about eleven eleven so odd minutes here on the podcast, and and you, and you bring up winning, and I know we're talking about the Sixers, but gotta get this in on the podcast. You bring about winning, and on Friday afternoon around three o'clock, news broke that Philly's manager. Ryan Sandberg resigned as the team's manager. Pete McCannon took over. Angela, the man, basically said that he was tired of losing. He's emotionally just emotionally just took it out of him. He didn't have enough pieces, and he just resigned. And he just Ruben is still here. What is going on with the Philadelphia Phillies? Because we've talked about the Phillies in the past couple of shows. But what is going on? Well, first of all, Ruby was crying at that press conference because he knows that he's next. Yeah. And <laughs> you, uh, uh, as long as I want to get mad at Ryan, because there are certain things that transpired over his tenure as management, or as, as, oh, yeah. as you know, manager, that can be his fault. Like the, mm-hmm. you know, if it's not broke, I still try to fix the lineup. Like things that he did, but you know, there are some, a lot of things that you can turn around and blame Ruben for because he only could do the best he could with what he had. But I don't know. I think it was evident from when they fired Charlie Manuel that he was the transitional mm-hmm. guy, that rebuilding was was going to take place, and when they hit rock bottom, he was going to end up being the sacrificial lamb. Yep. And not only that, but from what I understand, there's hard feelings between McPhail and him from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he's who, like, the lead candidate is to be Pat Gillick's replacement. So is he just trying to get out before McPhail comes in and fires him because they don't like each other? What needs no, to happen that's, is that's, this, organi- this organization needs to be completely gutted of all the people that have had, like, ties to the organization before. Like, bring in completely new blood, objective eyes, and guys they will have no loyalty to anyone and say, look, you want to make this team good again? This is what we have to do. And it might take five, ten years, but we're going to put the commitment in to do it because we know this is how we get better. That's what they did, no, That's what they did when they made that run. Pat Gillick was mm-hmm. completely foreign to this organization, came in, pulled rank, and assembled that team, who, yes, most of which were Ed Wade's draft picks, but there were valuable mm-hmm. pieces that he brought in from other places that they don't win that World Series in 2008 without. Jamie Moyer, Jason Worth. Exactly. Rule five. Yeah. They got they got Shane McDreen yep. in Rule Five, didn't they? So mm-hmm. yep. there 
there are pieces on that team that Pat Kelly brought in. And Joe Bland, Joe Bland, who gets no respect in the long run. But they don't win that World Series without him. No, no, no. I mean, seriously, he's perfect in the postseason. His record in the postseason in his career is 5-0. and out. And his ERA is under, like, 2.8. And yeah, you know who Joe has Bland. more who yeah. has more World Series who has more World Series home runs, Pat Burrell or Joe Blanton? Don't worry, I'll wait. Joe Blanton. Joe Blanton. Exactly. So he was a very underrated piece, and they were all people that Pat Gillick brought in. You need objective eyes. They were saying, "Look, you guys had people that were running this organization, that were lifers in this organization, and obviously it's not working for you anymore. We're going to come in, we're going to help you, and we're going to do what we know is best because, hey, now we're financially invested in this thing too." And that's what that's what it's going to take. And it might take a few years, but that's what they need. They need complete, objective perspectives, fresh eyes. They need to gut the organization of all these people. I'm sorry, I refuse to believe that a career bench player with a 235 batting average knows more about baseball than than anyone else. No, I I I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I always remember what Pat Gillick said. I don't know if he said, I think he said a few years back that he said that this team will be ready to compete in 2017, 2018. And I'm all right with that. That's, that's all right. That's all right. Pat Gillick can tell me that because if he, he helped the team get to a World Series, not once but twice. So I'm all right with him saying that. That's fine. Oh, yeah, because I believe him when he said that. Right. Because he's going to take, as we've seen in the past, he's going to take the necessary move to do what he has to do. And, like, and I think what I've said, Oh, I think we said this on the podcast before. I'm enjoying, even though the games have have been kind of boring to the effect. I'm like, I'm loving the fact that we are starting to see the young, the talent that we are. We're starting to see the players coming up from the minors play more. You got to do it eventually. Ruben wasn't really budging on it, and now we're starting to see the players come up and play. I. I Get enjoyment out of it. I mean, I mean, my God, Mikel Franco could be rookie is in contention for rookie of the year. Like, uh, who, and that would be who awesome. He's a hell of a player. Oh yeah. And but that was the thing. Ruben was so Ruben was so attached to that 2018, mm-hmm. and it's kind of almost sad what he let them become. You know, right? Like, he just he deteriorated them. As much as I love Chase Utley, as much as I love mm-hmm. Chase Utley, and I want to see him, he's hitting, he's you know, I want, yeah, I want to see him retire Philly, whether it's like he goes somewhere else and then comes back and signs a one-day contract. Plenty of them do it. But I think he just really needs to go the way of John Crock and go someplace in the in the American League and be a DH. I feel the same way about Ryan Howard. It's sad. It's sad to watch them try to play the field. And hit the way they mm-hmm. used to. They're not. They're not kids anymore. No. I mean, Jesus, they're both pushing forty. Yeah, they are. They are, and it's and it's sad and it's sad to see that. And and I think me and you can agree. What this year in baseball has told us so far, what this season in baseball has told us, the game's becoming younger. Teams are not waiting to bring up prospects anymore. This is the no. put up or shut up time. I well, never I'll tell seen, you, I'll never and forget. You, and you and you watching, and you've been watching baseball longer than me, and you know the game more definitely than I do. But this is just probably a shocking number of prospects we've just seen come up in once. Just been ridiculous. Yeah, it's been you know, Phillies don't have a choice now. And the sad part is, the farm system like four or five years ago was better than it is now. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. There are players that, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's called coulda, shoulda, woulda and everything. It just never really made any sense. You mortgage the farm to bring in players that you keep for a season and a half, and then you sell them back to replenish the farm system you sold to get them in the first place. Right. Yeah, the deterioration of the team is just kind of depressing. You know, I'll never forget it. Like around 2008 or 2009, I, I still had a subscription to Rolling Stone, and they did like a profile where it was like, they called it the biggest BAMF in sports, and it was like one per sport. And Chase Utley, out of all professional baseball, got got named that. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, showing my dad, I'd be like, "Yo, look, Chase Utley got named the biggest BAMF in sports there in in baseball." And dad was like, "Really?" I was like, "Yeah." They compared him to Mickey Mantle, man, awesome. Like all baseball, and Philly gets it. I was so proud. And he was such a great player. He still is a great player. It's just you know he's not the same. He's getting older. Yeah, no, Ryan Howard and Cole Hamels, who still has some great stuff in him, but he's getting frustrated. And the one thing he was never really able to do was keep his emotions in check that well. No. So now it's really getting to him. You know, that the, oh, other, yeah. the other day, last week, the other, the, you know, last week with the with the day game when you know the errors went rampant. You know, he got frustrated and gave up some, you know, bad hits and bad calls and stuff. But it was almost like he was throwing his hands up. He's had a history of not being able to keep his emotions in check. But how mm-hmm. could you not get frustrated if you're him? You know, how many games does he pitch and, you know, he'll give up one run and they don't give him any run support. Or he'll get, like, three runs and run support. And then defense makes, like, three errors in the game and and loses his run too. Yes, I mean, no. you can't really blame him for being frustrated. You can't, and, just, and the crazy part is, and the crazy part is about it, Campbell's has already said he's open to any trades right now, because I feel him, he's frustrated, and like we said about the whole prospects thing, the, the Phillies are in a division in NL East where they better keep on bringing these guys up because there's teams in the Mets and the Nationals in the Marlins, they got some young kids coming up, but you might want to look at New York. You see all the young pitching talent they bring it up? Kind of scary. So the Phillies better be prepared to deal with that because I'm personally, I'm scared to go against a rotation that boasts uh, Matt Harvey, Noah Syndergaard, Stephen Matz, and I know I'm missing one more. I can't think of who I'm missing. And Jacob DeGrom. That's so really should scary be afraid to take any line up at this point. <laughs> they should be. They should be. They should be because they is just they just got it. like you said. It's sad to see Ryan and Chase deteriorate, but it's just the times are getting up there in age, and you know they're best suited to play a DH. And you know relish in that moment because there'll be so much better baseball players playing the uh, playing the DH role here, playing the DH role in the majors. But that's pretty much. Um, that's pretty much going to wrap up the show here on the Total Sports Live podcast. I like to thank for everybody. I like to thank everybody for tuning in once again. We had a phenomenal show. We had to fit in the baseball just because that was really hot here in Philly. We had to we had to we had to bring that in a little bit because that's why that came in right the day after the Sixers. So we had to talk about that. We'll see what they do this week in their games. I don't even know who they're playing, so don't hold me to it. But don't worry, no one else is paying attention either. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Nobody, nobody else is there. Exactly. Nobody else really is. Like, oh, you just look on the TV. Oh, Philly's on. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you just do one of those. But you will see what happens. 
with the Sixers and free agency. As I said, NBA free agency does kick off Wednesday, July 1st, 12 at midnight. We possibly might have a free agency podcast for you guys on Tuesday, maybe. But if not, make sure you always keep on checking foolishforslive.com. Have a ton of free agency coverage from the Sixers to just everything in the NBA from news, rumors, opinion pieces, all that great stuff there on the site as well. Um, like I said, Sixers will begin summer league play very soon. They'll be playing two summer leagues. We'll be playing in the Rocky Mountain Review in Salt Lake City with the Jazz and all those and a couple other teams. Then they'll be heading out to Las Vegas, to, uh, playing in Las Vegas. I mean, it's going to be so great to see the likes of, um, of Jolo Okafor healthy playing in the summer league game. It's going to be a great thing, folks, and I hope you guys tune in and watch this young kid develop. Cause he's got talent. He's got 20 and 10 game in him, and it's going to be uh, great to see. For for me and Angela, everybody have a good night, and uh, we'll talk to you guys hopefully on Tuesday with NBA Free Agency Podcast. I hope you guys can join us then. Everybody have a good night. Bye, everyone.